Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Nicholas Holt. I'm playing J.D. Salinger, Tolkien, and the X-Men. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. It's time for another Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. Welcome to the show, new and old, an old returning guest. You're not even a guest, you're a co-host. How many new... Sammy. Uh, yes. How many new guests do you think we have? Right now, yeah. guest listeners. Are we yeah. calling them guest listeners? Yeah, <laughs> like if you're not if you're a not solid returning, baker's how many, dozen. Yeah, how many newbies <laughs> we got? <laughs> no, let me hear from your the newbies out yeah. there. Let us know. Rate, review, subscribe. I'll tell you who's not a newbie. Nick Holt. Sure isn't. Uh, Nick Holt is a returning guest to Happy Sad Confused. Um, he is uh, he's a fun interview, and I think a lot of people don't realize what, uh, how fun and dry and and uh, interesting Nick is because you know he he projects kind of like you know leading man like he's like super absurdly good looking and like you know has kind of played these parts that aren't necessarily super quirky. They're often kind of like down the middle, um, but. He, in person, and in my experience, is somebody with uh, a lot of intelligence and, and eccentricity, and, and, and he's just an interesting, fun guy. So um, the last podcast with him was a blast, and this one was as well. Um, he came by to talk about his new film, which everybody should check out. It's called Rebel in the Rye. He plays J.D. Salinger. That's, that's a tall order, Sammy. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's about, in, in part, the, the writing of Catcher in the Rye and uh, gets at a little bit of the mystique of J.D. Salinger. And it's a really good film. I saw it first at Sundance. They've done a re-edit of it, and I think it's an even better film now. Um, and uh, Nick and I talk about that. Uh, he's also going to be playing another beloved writer in his next film. He's doing a J.R. Tolkien biopic, which should be cool. Wow. So everyone looks at him and they're like, he could play smart. <laughs> exactly. Plays, yeah. I, yes, we joke about that. Like, I'm a, is this like an elaborate scheme just to uh, portray yourself as super smart, like yeah. smart people? Um, and, uh, of course, he's also in production right now in uh, the new X-Men film. So we talk about uh, his experiences there and how's that, how that's going. They're shooting in Montreal. Um, and uh, speaking of Canada, Sammy and I are just back from Toronto. Where we saw... Nick Holt. We did see Nick Holt. Yeah, Nick, Nick has in the wild. <laughs> Nick, we saw Nick in the wild. It was exciting. <laughs> He's so handsome. That was that was fun. We went to uh, I went to see the Current War, which mm-hmm. is uh, Nick's new film, uh, which he has a, a small but pivotal role as Nick, uh, Nikola Tesla, um, and Michael Shannon and Benedict Cumberbatch star in uh-huh. that one. And uh, yes, yeah, Sammy and Your I. Old- Sam, I was going to say Sam and I went to the big party. Mm-hmm. It was fun, right? Josh didn't tell me that we were going to parties, so I was wearing white sneakers and a denim shirt, and everyone else is in uh, dresses, so I, it's see, a little sensitive. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> yes. just still a little raw. Yeah. Did anybody in the party flash you a dirty look? Yes, everyone did, and they snickered as I walked That's by. Not true. <laughs> That's not Did Benedict? We talked. To, I introduced you to Benedict. Yeah, and he was like, what are you wearing? No, he, did. he was not. <laughs> He's he like, was, you look ridiculous. He was not. Um, oh, no, it was perfect. He was, he was actually delightful, and he um, ended up seeing uh, a lot of films in Toronto. I ended up seeing um, the, the Shape of Water. I was seated two seats away from Benedict. It was amazing. It was, it was magical. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, the current war is coming soon, and uh, we talk a little bit about that as well. So, obviously, a lot on Nicholas's uh, plate, um, and he's a, an actor very much in demand, um, and it was it was wonderful to have him back. He's always welcome here. Um, and I think we'll go right to the podcast just because we have an embarrassment of riches. We have another podcast that should be going up um, very soon. So, uh, enjoy this one in the meantime. Um, he's a happy, sad, confused regular, and make sure to check out seek out rebel in the rye uh and enjoy this conversation with nick holt the charming nick holt the dashing nick holt 
Okay, you're obsessed with it. What? You, you <laughs> egged me on. Okay. Uh, we thought we were recording, but we weren't. Now we are. Now it's all on the Thank record. God. I can't believe you said that terrible thing about that person. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, it's good to have you back. It's good to be back. Um, I had a lot of fun last time. We Thank had a- you for allowing me after just... Last time talking nonsense for a good half hour. This is therapy for both of us. It kind of is. is. That's the goal. Um, I do feel like we had a special time on the podcast last time. And then when I was looking up what you've been up to, I see um, that you're not a one podcast kind of guy, which is cool. That's fine. Whatever. I mean, uh, you know, my dad wrote a porno is a very popular podcast and that's fine. That's whatever. If you just want to just like that porno. Have you listened to it? You know what? I've heard from. I like that porno. Did I just say? (laughs) I meant podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> this is horrendous. Top five porn uh, for you. I, I like that porn. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hadn't listened to it, but I've heard from a lot of people that I respect that it's amazing. Dude, it's and, really funny. And I listened to yours as a gateway, and I'm now going to go back and start listening. Get it. Um, we're not going to talk about pornography here. We're going to be keep okay. it classy. Fine. I mean, we can if you want. Please. No. <laughs> you can start, though, just so I know the level we're going oh, on. Oh, no. <laughs> No. Um, how is it going? You're in the middle of shooting. Your your half of your brain and mind is in Montreal, I'm sure. Uh, X Men in Montreal at the moment. Dark Phoenix. Yes. It's going very well. Simon Kimberg, who uh, wrote on the last few and produced many brilliant movies, is now directing this one. So how's the vibe? Um, how's he? How's he as a director? Dude, we're vibing on this one. It's it's good. No, <laughs> yeah. it's really good. He's you know he's 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 wanting to make it very grounded and emotional and 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 dramatic and darker. I think and and. Uh, from what I've seen, um, and they, he cut together a little short, like halfway point, nice. um, thing. And I didn't, I didn't watch all of it cause I don't like watching myself, but the bits that I saw of other people's looked really great. Um, <laughs> and it looked, yeah, it just looked like it was tearing up the X-Men world a little bit and then being like, is this, have you spent some time with Chastain? I love me some Jessica I Chastain. I haven't really yet, okay. unfortunately. Um, no, she's uh, she's just coming in, um, just about to start. I saw her very briefly once when I was dressed up in in the full blue beast gear. That's the way you want to. And I, in passing, she said, "Are you hot?" And I said, "Yes," <laughs> and that was kind of the whole interaction. Um, so pretty pretty basic on the, on yeah. that so far, but we'll get there. That's a basis of a relationship. I feel like exactly. Um, is what was I going to say? Oh, so uh, uh, how many, um, what have you guys been up to Offset? Because you guys, I feel like, always in Montreal when you're making the X-Men films. I feel like on Instagram, last time you showed me some dub smash action. Oh, yeah, we've got, we had we had good dub smash action. Um, had the reconcerts. Last time there was Taylor Swift, concert, I know. Taylor there was Swift. There was the BB gun era where we were shooting each other. Until have you all matured stopped. yet? Have you all? Um, you know what? We've been, pretty, we've been pretty tame this time. I think we've really focused a lot. McAvoy hasn't broken any laws. Um, he hasn't. He hasn't broken anything yet, um, on a person. <laughs> uh, no, but you know the only thing we've done is we went out and bought uh, bikes to get around the city, okay. and we, we we kitted those out. So he's got like a bubble machine on the back of his bike. So when like you ride along car, behind like him, little... he's got like a little bubble thing that sprays out bubbles. And I've got a water pistol on the front of mine, so I can water pistol gun people on the front. Um, is this a usual option you can get flags and the brilliant thing is we went to we went to this Hans Zimmer concert and they were like oh the boys are going to the boys are coming they're on their bikes and they thought we were going to turn up oh cookie delivery cookie delivery (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much oh you have a selection oh and goldfish uh, Nicholas Holt needs cookies cookies every half an hour this is a little known fact sorry I haven't eaten since this morning I'm just do you want some of this no I'm good I'm I'm good no I'm fine thank you though um Let's hear you eat a Milano cookie. This is what, <laughs> yes. this is what podcasts are made of. <laughs> I'm going to be really quiet. Can you talk for a second? Sure. Um, so my favorite so, movie of yours. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Rebel in the Rise Wonderful. Oh, don't you're just eating so slowly too. Just get it in there. Have you seen it? I, of course, I've seen it twice. I saw it at Sundance. Okay. And I know you guys did a little uh, tweaking to what it. What do you think of the new cup? Well, he, to be to be honest, <laughs> he's going off mic to shoe. To be honest, this the haze of Sundance. I honestly don't. I couldn't tell you specifically what the major changes are. You're obviously super close to it. Mm. And like Sundance, you're only devoting 30% of your brain to it. So I'm actually glad I had a chance to see it again. Right. Um, I don't know. What are, what, like, what's the biggest change like structurally that Danny did? Um, well, it, it was quite a big change, actually. I mean, it was kind of one of those things that after that screening, Danny was like, you know what? I see the things that I would like to change and make clearer in the film now. Mm. Danny Strong, who wrote and directed it. So it was, I've never been in this situation before whereby... We'd finished the film. He'd cut the film. The film was bought um, to be released. Right. Um, and then I got sent through a new draft of the script, and I was like, well, this is weird. <laughs> so new um, narration? Yeah, yeah, so there was, there's new narration, and there's new structure as well, whereby originally the film was starting um, in, uh, in Central Park um, and then flashed back from there, but instead now um, J.D. Salinger, um, after World War II, was um, uh, admitted into a... Um, uh, a psych ward sort of yeah. mental hospital so now we start in in the hospital with him and his thoughts so now the first half of the movie is from that perspective and him writing a letter to Whit Burnett who was his uh, professor at Columbia played by Kevin Spacey in the movie um, so you have that and then and then so the, almost the movie is in two parts now we have that letter up until a certain point and then and then you have a letter narrated from the end of the movie right um, in, in kind of the resolution of it all um, so that, those were the major things. Yeah, new narration and new formats in terms of where the story's perspective was being told from. So having said that you can't stand to watch yourself, have you watched both cuts of this? Uh, I did. Okay, uh, that speaks well to it. Yeah, dude. Uh, well, yeah, I watched it. Because um, obviously it was one of those things where it was interesting because they, te- you know, IFC got the, bought the film and then they were like, well, we're going to test this version of the film. Mm. They tested it and it scored well and then they were like, all right, well, Danny was like, I really want to make these changes. I feel like it's a better movie. So... They let him make the changes, but they said, like, you know, we're going to test it, and if it doesn't test as well, then right. obviously we've ne- then got a strange situation on yeah, our hands exactly. where, like, do we release the film that tested better, but the filmmaker isn't necessarily think is the right cut. Right. So, um, but it, they tested it, and it tested higher. Brilliant. Nice. Everything was great, and then everyone was like, all right, so this is obviously the version of the movie. Um, and, yeah, I watched it, because it was very difficult for me to take my head... We're being very serious in this podcast, by well, the way. Don't so worry, we'll go off the rails um, in a second. It was very difficult to go back after having made a movie, done the whole shoot, and seen the cut, and then to go back and reread it and then see it again in a different edit. It was very difficult because it it's difficult at that point to have Let go of the other perspective. Yeah, and that's yeah. kudos to, to Danny on that that he could figure it out because I, you know, I couldn't. I was couldn't see the wood through the trees at that point. So is, is it odd doing... So you already gave a little context that this is the story of uh, one of the most infamous, talented writers uh, in history, mm-hmm. <laughs> J.D. Salinger. Yeah. Um, also, like noted, recluse, press-averse, to say the least. I mean, knowing you're doing something like this, knowing that like if he were around, he would hate this movie, that it existed, probably. Not, yeah. Nothing against the movie. No, no, no. But yeah. he would not want it to yeah, exist. Yeah, I don't is think it would have been right that? to make this movie at the right time uh, um, when he was alive. But I think, in hindsight, his story is so incredible yeah. and so inspirational for me, like making it and trying to inhabit him and, and his work ethic, but also his dedication, all these things. I was like really inspired. And also, in terms of that PTSD element and all these things that I think... Um, there's a lot that can be taken from his story, yeah. um, from people watching the film. So that's 
that's the real positive of it. Sure. Um, but yeah, there was certainly a moment, uh, you, know, you know, when I called up Danny and I was like, Danny, dude, I don't know. Like, the more I, the more I researched, the more I was like, whoa, this is, you know, because I loved the script and loved the character and, and really wanted to play the part. But then I was like, wow, this is a lot more I'm taking on than I ever realized at first. Right. Is, um, I mean, because it's interesting, it's hard to kind of capture like the creative process like mm-hmm. on screen. Like, yeah. uh, like, you know, I feel like, and this film has a lot of like narration and scenes of like, you know, him literally writing and sitting and like, and that can like, unless you have a really strong writer like Danny mm. um, interpreting uh, or even or using his actual words, it can kind of feel a little rote, feel a little pedantic, it could just not work. Um, but it, I mean, I think it's a testament to your performance and to Danny's work that it it is kind of feel feels dynamic and it doesn't really put you in his brain, like mm. and and it's quite a brain. Like he was a, a neurotic to say the least. There yeah. Was a he, lot. Oh, he was a fascinating character in person and evolved so much throughout his his lifetime. But also this strange thing where we're create you know creating a character for, based off of all the facts we can find out about him, but having not you know there's not videos of him or recordings of him. Right. So then you're in a kind of weird situation where people have obviously um, preconceived notions of him and who he was. Right. Um, but even like the reclusive nature of him, that was <clears throat> when he first moved out of New York, that was, you know, to, to find peace and to carry on writing. But he was very much a part of society um, right. and, and, and would have youth groups around and would go to church and be very much a part, an active member in, in the society. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't Howard. He was hiding in a basement. No, he just exactly. wasn't participating in... Press. And yeah, yeah. He just didn't want press. Thing. He didn't want his face on the book covers. He didn't want you know blurb about him because he thought you know the story should speak for themselves. Yeah. Do you? Um, because he, there's a sequence in this where he's burned by a, a, a what he thinks is kind of because I think it's like a school kind of thing. Like a, a, yeah, that was right? yeah. You th- it was yeah. That was yeah. A scene from essentially yeah. There was this young girl called Shirley Blaney who um, came in and 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 wrote a, an article and saying it was for the school yeah. paper and then it was printed in the local newspaper and that was kind of. The last straw for him because and you know Selinger, he wrote a lot about children and saw them as being very pure and you know the world hadn't destroyed them or tainted them yet right um, and you know a lot of their story his stories um, revolve around them so I think when that happened that was kind of a big turning point in terms of him kind of shutting himself off and and not wanting to speak to people and communicate about work and things right. because he felt like he'd been taken advantage of and that was something that he always reacted very strongly to I, me- I remember reading a story from someone about um, He'd written a short story and they'd printed it in, I think it might have been Cosmopolitan magazine back, back then or something, mm-hmm. but they'd changed the title, unbeknownst to him, and he was furious and he never spoke to this person again. Right. He met up with them, scolded them for it, couldn't believe that they'd done this to him, and then their relationship was done. Wow, now I know not to misquote you in a podcast. You could go hard for Salinger <laughs> on me. <laughs> yeah. But is that a hard lesson for you even in your own career? I mean, obviously every public figure kind of warns that, like, you know, a lot of you're you seem in my experience with you you're you're an open person and yet you have to like keep some things for yourself and and you only learn that I think by going through it right by saying too much and seeing sort of things taken out of context yeah, and, yeah, yeah I mean yeah. like did, did, was there kind of a turning point for you where you kind of learned like okay like as much as I want to be an open book and like be friendly like I have to like somehow preserve something of myself or else I'm going to be burned yeah I th- and I think that's partly just taking time to yourself and doing things outside of vision that you know you care about and 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 find therapeutic in a way but also yeah there's there's a certain thing of sharing too much but i think now you know nowadays everyone wants expects and wants more and more yeah. and it sh- and it should be applauded in lots of ways you know there's lots of people talking about things that 
are very important and, and do help, you know, um, other people struggling with the same thing when they're discussed openly by people who are in the public eye. Right. Um, but yeah, there are obviously also at the same time elements to your own personality and self and yeah. life that you want to keep. Otherwise, there's, there's, yeah. There's nothing left. There's, there's no nothing. There's nothing there. <laughs> um, so uh, there's also talk you're going to um, be another quite notable author sometime soon. This I'm Tolkien. The, I'm going to play Tolkien, yeah. That's I'm pretty researching that at the moment. That's amazing. So yeah. so for the record, just to, I want to be clear about this, not every uh, well-known great writer was as attractive as Nicholas Holt. Like, Is okay, <laughs> <laughs> just, mo I, nah, I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to play George R.R. R. Martin anytime soon. Let's not go crazy. Dude, who knows? I might, I might just try and tick off all the authors. I'm going to play J.K. Rowling, <laughs> and, uh, George Martin, I uh, you know, that. all of them. <laughs> You say, you say you've watched that? Absolutely. The school years of J.K. Rowling with me. <laughs> now, did Tolkien, I don't know anything about Tolkien's story, did he have like a friend that looked a lot like Gollum? Is there like a... Well, no, it's not, it's not the, the, the friend story there. Well, it is. It's a, there's a group um, of boys that he grew up with um, at King Edward School and then at, through Oxford um, a fair bit um, um, called the TCBS, which is the Tea Club and Barovian Society. Oh. And they were, they were basically guys who were interested in writing and music and poetry and all these things and kind of inspired each other and pushed each other. Um, and Tolkien's worlds all developed from his love of language. He was a philologist and, and kind of just loved creating languages from right. when he was a kid and studying them. So he kind of started creating these languages, but then, but then from that realized that you need a mythology and a world around these stories and a history to these languages to make them feel really lived in. So he's, his whole thing started to develop from that. But yeah, he had this group of friends um, and then... Uh, and then was involved during World War One, um, fought in the Battle of the Somme, um, and pretty much all of all of that group of guys got got killed through that. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of his story before we know him. And then and then he came out of that, and it took him, I don't know, seven years to write The Hobbit, and then another fifteen for The Lord of the Rings. And they were all things that this world that he'd created along with the Silmarillion and everything, but not put into paper and onto stories. Yeah. Were you the, growing up? Were you big? Uh, Dude, I freaked out of a lot of the rings. If Did that's you really? What you're ask. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Books was, and films, would, just everything. Yeah, I was all over them. That was, I think, the first one came out maybe when I was ten or eleven, right. and that was like they came out just before Christmas, and that was like the Christmas cinema trip to yeah. see Lord of the Rings for I, three years. I just amazing. loved them. I was like, this is real. <laughs> this is what movies need to be. Did you ever get an audition for any for even The Hobbit in recent years? Did you get a meeting? Nothing. What? Nothing. Not a peep. <laughs> in hindsight, I'm pretty mad about it. <laughs> Sorry. What the hell? Um, <laughs> did you... Hobbit, though, I mean, we well, Peter Jackson, but it, it didn't need to be three films, let's be honest. To be honest with you, I love that book. I was given that book by um, Chris and Paul Veit, um, oh, directors yeah. of um, About a Boy. Sure. When we finished that, they, they gave me that book, and that was the first time I read it. Um, but I haven't seen all the Hobbit films. Oh, okay, okay. Still okay. the first one. Fair enough. Um, so, I was going to say, oh yeah, so, so you didn't get your audition for Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry to bring that up. What about Harry Potter? You're I the, did. You're the right age for Harry I Potter. I for Harry Potter, did. I was in there with uh, with Columbus, who was directing the first one. Um, was it for with Harry? With some fake glasses on, pretending to be Harry. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Yeah, did. Yeah. Can you recreate your audition? What did you say? I I, I don't know. Probably some wizardy stuff. <laughs> this is why you didn't get it. <laughs> By the way, it's pretty clear, isn't you're, it? You're going off book. You're like, uh, uh, some, some wizardy stuff. All right. Do, so I, do I have the part so now? So I walk in. Hermione, you're right. Some wizardy stuff. Is this a wand? Yeah, that'll do it. You got it the wrong way around. Shut up. Uh, where's Ronnie? There he is. All right. Off to Gringotts. <laughs> Where's the contract? <laughs> now, I'm not going to do a three-picture deal. We're going to do one at a time. I need points on the back end. 
I'm 11 years old. I know what I need. <laughs> <laughs> so was that a blow when you didn't get that one? It's a big blow. I'm still, I mean, I don't know if I want to talk about it yet. Wait, did you get the callbacks? Like, were you like in the running? Actually? Oh, yeah, yeah. Legit? Like at one point, I think I was fairly, I think I went in and auditioned for it like maybe four Five times. I had no idea. Do people I was, know I was, this? Have I stumbled I onto something? I was, I was. I don't know how far, how far or how close or in the running I was, but I, I mean, I went a f- quite a few times. Could you imagine your life that that you would have had a totally different Dude, life? Imagine if I was Harry Potter right now. <laughs> how much better would this interview be? No, I love if Dan. Like, I love you equally in your own I wonderful love Dan ways. Too. I love Dan too. He's your the best. Um, your choice but is tall. Would be better much taller. I would still have a cape on. I'd have a little wizarding hat. You'd be... Uh, I'd put spells on people. <laughs> I, the reason I asked you if you auditioned is you came dressed fully on as Harry Potter into this <laughs> podcast, and I thought it was, it was the elephant in the room. <laughs> Someone had to address it. <laughs> I'm still, still so in it. Dude, when's the last time you um, uh, cried over losing out on a roll? Ooh, good question. Um, I was due. Oh, I don't think I've... Cr- not since I was a kid. <laughs> No, you know what? I wouldn't cry a lot when I didn't get a role. Mm-hmm. I would cry at the end of a job. Oh, that's sweet. Because it would be like, I would throw myself into it wholeheartedly and I'd be like, these are my best friends, this is my life. And then like six weeks later or however long later, it would be over. And I'd be like, but we were best friends. My mom said I cried for like two days at the end of one job. I mean, I'm sure not straight. That would be ridiculous. But what an emotional wreck. When you called Hugh Grant and it was a 555 number. Wait, there are only three digits in the phone <laughs> um, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, so, okay, so wait, where, uh, I also wanted to ask about we, when you came in, I was mentioning Toronto. I'll be there, and um, the, we're not sure if you're going to be able to sneak off in between X-Men shenanigans, but uh, The mm. Current War, yeah, uh, also known as the film that you grew uh, crazy facial hair for, silly facial hair for. Dude, I got a nice mustache for that. Is this your first on-screen mustache? Yeah. Congrats, buddy. Thank you. Wow. It's a big moment. It is. It's huge. That's yeah. why you took the role, right? Yeah. <laughs> Were you relieved that you could I was grow? Bringing around town, man. Like anyone, anyone got used for a mustache? And that's, <laughs> it's a strange request. It wasn't, it wasn't grown for the role. It was, it was grown, and then I was like, this now needs to be placed into a movie. <laughs> Who can use this magic? This wonder. <laughs> Can't deny yeah, this. People act differently when you've got a mustache. Yeah. What's the big? How do they treat you? Like a, a mean, weird porn star? Like, like a... yeah. I got that a lot. I got like, oh, the seventies. What a porn star? And I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, what? Why so judgy? Mm, what about it? <laughs> Dude, I think, like, this is really sad, but I've realized that I've got my, like, Tesla socks on. That's amazing. Check out. <laughs> is that a tradition? Is Do you do that for every character you play? No, this was bought for, by a friend of me. And <laughs> me, he was like, Dude, I saw these socks and thought of you. And I was like, nice. Uh, was that a fun one to, to dig into, uh, playing a real-life uh, luminary like Tesla? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was in- yeah, incredible. Alfonso, the director, is brilliant. But then also, you know, back with your boy, Mike Shannon. Mike Shannon. Um, that was kind of the, one of the big parts of it for me. Just I wanted to do more scenes with him. And obviously, Ben Cumberbatch as well. So I was like, sweet, I can go in and have fun and play around with those guys for a little bit and, yeah. and learn about Tesla. Fantastic. And have a creepy mustache. And have a mustache. Everybody wins. Yeah. Maybe get some cool socks out of it. Did. <laughs> Nailed it. Peaked. The last time I, the last person I remember that played Tesla was David Bowie. Yeah, I would listen to Bowie when I was like researching. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'd sit there reading and but listen to Bowie. That's amazing. Because in a weird way, it felt connected. Huh. That's great. Um, is um, uh, this is t- tangent? Uh, rock star you would want to play on screen? Is there a rock star yeah. I'd want to play on screen? No. No. Nah. You want to be a rock star? I've read in real a few. Life. I've read a few rock star scripts. Yeah. Um, and I think they're, they're tricky, but also they're, they're, 
Freddie Mercury didn't do it for you? They're very much of the era. Dude, he looks great. I haven't seen the photo yet. That just came out, right? Yeah, yeah, just came out. Yeah, he looks great as Freddie Mercury. Um, He's a a great choice. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that film. But, um, and by the way, I grew up listening to Queen, so that's exciting. Yeah. Um, But I don't, I don't know, like, yeah, it's difficult, I think, the rock star. Yeah. Well, biopics, as you know, I mean, like they're they're tough to crack, and you've yeah. you've, you've to keep jumped into a few of them, and and the, the good ones are are few and far between. Yeah, I think a, a big problem. I don't know what you feel about this. Is like, especially the cradle to grave stuff is is tough. Like yeah. the full life thing. It's it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. and the, and I think it's a smart thing that like Danny again did to get bring it back to the Rebel and the Rye. Is it's it's it is a finite part of his life. Like you know, there's a postscript that kind of alludes to like the later years or whatever, but. Mm. Um, it's hard to encapsulate a life in two hours. Yeah, 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 completely. Right? Um, so uh, I, w- I want to bring back, because we, we jumped around X-Men for a second, but I, are you surprised that you, that Simon was able to get the, the band back together? Because I feel like in the last couple films, we've been talking like, this might be it. Like, you know, because it's like, it gets harder and harder. Everybody like gets more and more opportunities. Are mm. you surprised at this point that you're doing your fourth now, right, at least? Uh, this is my fourth, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um, no, you know what? I think I think it came down to a thing whereby he wrote the script and sent and and I read it and I was like, oh, this is some cool stuff character-wise for me, um, and different to the last movie. So I was like, well, I want to be a part of that. And then and then yeah, I think you know we all have a really good time making them, Fassie and, and James and Jen and everybody. So it's kind yeah. of like it's it's a nice thing for us to go back. And can you tease a little bit about what Hank gets to do this time around that was interesting? I don't know if I can tease too much of it. Okay. But it's cool. It's, like, it's okay. just like a different... You get to see some new different stuff. How many inventive ways have they discovered to figure out how not to have Jen have to put on blue makeup this time? Because <laughs> <laughs> we know this is public now that she does not necessarily enjoy it. No, no one would. Right, the, blue, the blueness. <laughs> the blueness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are there a lot of inventive, uh, oh yeah, I can't turn into Mystique for the next two hours because... Because something happened, I fell over, I hurt my ankle, and, <laughs> exactly. and now I'm back. Exactly. No, no, it all makes sense when you see it. I think they've done a smart job with all those things as well. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. It's good. I'm like, excited for it. Yeah, me too. Um, so, uh, what comes up after you're wrapped with uh, with X Men? Do you know? Uh, that's when Tolkien starts. Um, nice. So I'll go off and do a little bit of that. Wait, who's your leading lady in that? They just cast Lily Collins, recent guest of Happy Sick. Oh uh, yeah, she's lovely. She's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Looking forward to working with her. So what's um, and in terms, are you ha- happy right now with the kind of stuff that's coming along the pike in terms of diversity of roles and characters? Does it I feel? Know, Josh, I'm not too happy to be honest with you. I, I know you're you're eating here. your feelings. In front of me. <laughs> I just want. I just want. Did you finish your Milanos? No, because I felt bad because you know it's really annoying listening to people eat. Did one Milano do the trick? No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna eat all of these. I get out of this room once we stop recording. But until then, okay. Well, I'm let's be uh, professional for once and not eat. No, no. Let's on, in front of the microphone. We did the professional stuff for 20 minutes. Let's let's go non sequiturs now. Okay. So is Milano your preferred cookie? What is your preferred cookie, generally speaking? I, I would go for just a standard choc chip cookie or like, like a chips white Ahoy? like chip a cookie. Oh, no, brand. I want like the soft, freshly baked like ones. Soft, you know what I mean? I, well, soft on the inside, warm, preferably on the inside, and crunchy on the outside. <laughs> I don't want to get too specific. <laughs> but you know, you know what I you mean. Know, this though? goes back to food when with us. Just right. Right. We handled sandwiches last time. Now we're moving into dessert Dude, treats. I hope that sandwiches life for people has changed since that interview and <laughs> no. improved. Uh, cake or pie? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> you know what? We didn't grow up in England with too much pumpkin pie, and I like being American when pumpkin pie starts coming out. We're in the season. Yeah. I was just in I'm Starbucks. They just changed it. the menu. Oh boy. <laughs> it's a bit too much. Though. I guess too much, isn't it? Is it, pumpkin, you, you pumpkin everything over here. Yeah, I don't need a pumpkin latte. No. Pumpkin pie, though. A little, little nutmeg in That's there. That's nice. A bit of whipped cream. 
thanks for the yeah. That's the, just in case people don't know, that's the sound of whipped cream going on pie. <laughs> that is actually the sound. Is is a secret that's dream a to be a foley artist? Effect. Do you want to be like the guy Dude, that? What's your best sound effect? Oh uh, yeah, what is? I don't know. I do I do a good Jar Jar Binks. That's not a sound effect. That's it. Mister Jar Jar Binks, Mister you humble oh, servant. Damn. Yeah. All yeah. Right. It's a horrible talent to good. have. I'm the, literally the world's most reviled character I can do. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, do you do, are you good with accents? Do you do voices, impressions? Uh, no. See, that's not for you. Just threw me down, uh, nope. under a bus. Nothing. <laughs> I don't do any. You know who's great at impressions? Kevin Spacey. Yes. That guy's a don on impressions. He's a, he's a good guy to have as your mentor on screen. Yeah. Because you could probably learn something from him off screen he's as well. He's phenomenal to watch. Yeah. I went, I went and met him in a restaurant up on the upper... That side. West, east, Up east. east side. Yeah. <laughs> I went out there and um, I walked in and he was sitting there and he had all these cue cards out and he was learning all his lines off these cue cards and I was like, oh, what's the deal with that then? And he's like, uh, he likes to learn his lines in a loud, noisy, boisterous sort of place huh. because that then means that when he's on set, he can focus in and whatever's going on around, it doesn't matter because he's... So he's learning in like the worst possible scenario so that like... Yeah, yeah, as opposed to like sitting at home, learning them and then turning up on set and it's whatever it might be. And you're like, oh boy, I knew my lines when it was quiet and I was chilling, right. but now I don't know. I was, I was, I think I saw him in, I think it was Iceman Cometh, mm. which is one of those plays that has like a 45 minute monologue in the middle of it that he yeah. had to deliver. Right, right, right. I just don't even understand how the mind can work that way. Are yeah. you able to, are you good with like yeah, conversation? I can, I can learn any 45 minute monologue. Seriously? Yeah. Really? No, I don't know. <laughs> but it's just, it's just, it's just training your brain, isn't it? It's repetition and just like trying to find out logical parts of what makes sense what, what is like do you have like a specific like when you're when you're memorizing like a like a, a role that has like a, a ton of dialogue like what are, what does it look like in Casa Holt what do you are you like walking around talking to yourself or are you yeah but yeah I'll try and do it um I'll do it like in in the car I'll be driving and like repeating like things mm-hmm. that I know that are going to be tricky to remember or yeah or just I find that a long time before filming I'll read the script pretty much every day and try and do it at night time before I go to sleep right and do that Mm-hmm. And that's always good, and then and then gradually start putting it in. Yeah. It, must, it must be it must be good to kind of um, that way you can get away with talking to yourself in public, and people don't know if you're just crazy. You know what? That's or... quite a good one. I've done that before, where I put headphones in, pretending to be on the phone, oh, yeah. but been walking around like I don't know New York or London, or whatever, but actually just repeating dialogue. Right. And it's actually an interesting little kind of thing to do because then you find that if you think people are thinking you're on the phone, <laughs> right. <laughs> then you actually behave more naturally than if you think you're practicing lines in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. Because you have to make them work for someone watching you pretending to have a phone conversation. I would imagine it gets weird, though, when you're uh, memorizing something like for like X-Men and you're like yeah. screaming, like, get to the, Mystique, get, get over there! Get to the jet! <laughs> <laughs> we must take down these... I'm changing! Help me! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got to be really careful on, yeah. on what you're shouting. That's true. <laughs> Do you ever, um, is that the most mortifying thing for an actor to like forget a line on set? Is that still like a, a thing? On set, no. Really? No. Because everybody does like, it. On stage it, on stage it would be much worse, obviously. But on set it's kind of like, all right, back we go, right. start again. Right. I mean, it's bad if it keeps on happening. <laughs> then it's like, oh boy. Oh, this guy. But then that's just like, people haven't put in work, right? Right. So that wouldn't so, happen to a professional like you. Dude, no way. Who? <laughs> <Ever>. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't remember their lines? Is that what you want to ask? Yeah, who, do, who doesn't remember? You know what? Out of the X Men group, Jen's least likely to know our lines. <laughs> you, you can say that because she'll cop to it. She's probably sure. No, she it. completely knows it. She's least likely to know our lines. Turn up, but then she'll like learn them quick and be on it. But like, yeah, 
yeah, at least likely to know him. Have you gotten a sneak peek at Mother? We were talking about Toronto films. That's, I have that's I've seen the trailer, list. but no, I haven't. I haven't got a sneak peek yet. That looks like madness in the best possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. gonna be intense. Uh, have you seen anything lately that you're into? What have I seen lately that I'm into? I saw uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. That was good, right? I like that. Yeah. Um, saw Logan Lucky. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what else am I saying? That's kind of it, actually. I have you done any uh, mocapping yet? Am I missing any mocap in your career? Is there any mocap involved for a beast? No. Uh, no, no mocap. It's all practical. Um, yeah, that's all practical. So no. Do you want to put a lot of uh, balls on your body and uh, run around? <laughs> well, when, you, when you say it like that. Uh, hey, uh, uh, Nick, yes, would, you, would, would you be interested in, in me putting a lot of balls all yeah, over you your body? I'm myself a lot of balls right now and put them on my body. And maybe you could put it on camera. Back to the porn, huh? <laughs> it all comes back around. <laughs> the worst Fifty Shades of Grey ever. <laughs> <laughs> but does that intrigue you at all? Like, is like to do that kind of weirdness? Yeah, the, the, the performances of those guys and, and, and the apes and that were incredible. Service is amazing. Yeah. What he can do. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, theater. Wait, have we talked about theater? Have you done theater in the last... Uh, I haven't done it. I was meant to do a play this year, but then schedule got changed around and mm. I couldn't do it. So I don't know when next might be on the cards. Is that I want to get back into it. You do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get back into it. To, to regain your credibility, to make it like a thespian. Try and hang on to some sort of dignity <laughs> out here, you know? Would you do it here or in uh, London? I think I'd do it in London. Okay. So I can be home. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, a good lifestyle too. So it's like it's like the closest thing to like a regular day job. For it is. The last time I did it, it was kind of nice. You like have the day to do your you know errands and walk around and do whatever, and then you like go to work. But then you do get this weird thing where you're like suddenly really awake, right? And have like this buzz after working at like eleven, twelve p.m. That is the thing. Right? I would, I've talked to actors about this, like coming off of like a, a big play. Like, yeah. what do you do with all that energy? Like, how do you get it out of your system? Yeah, it's drinking yourself into oblivion, which yeah. is, doesn't isn't going to scale at a certain point. <laughs> no, you can't do that for months on end. So no. yeah, it's 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 an odd thing, but yeah. Um, what was I going to ask? Oh, the okay. So we talked film. Uh, last TV show you binged? Dude, I'm watching. Uh, what's it called? This documentary at the moment called like Cosmos, Cosmos something or other. It's a documentary all about the universe, and it's blowing my. Wait, mind. is it the Neil deGrasse Tyson stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's pretty true. I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> it's really well done. I love it. Yeah. But the first, the first episode I put on, I was sitting there in the apartment, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> The universe is so big. Did you know how big the I universe was? I was blowing people up on the text. I was like, you have no idea how big it is. I am now aware of how big it is. Guess and, how big the universe is. But then there's loads of universes inside of those, and it just goes on. And we're all part of the Big Bang still. Well, speak for yourself. Again, back to the Dude, porno. It's happening. This is wild. What? <laughs> and then the second episode, all about how dogs, you know, how that was selective breeding from wolves, essentially, and how... You know, how we developed those and how we all grew up from individual cells. I, By the end of this, you're going to be like the smartest man on the planet. Dude, I hope so. <laughs> I'm so hoping. I was going to say, like, if you look at a lot of your roles, whether it's, it's Hank McCoy or Tesla or Salinger, yeah. you're playing a, is this like all an elaborate like, attempt to make people think you're super smart? Completely. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, right. Can you play a I dumb woke guy? Up and I was like, Nick, you're pretty dumb. <laughs> you don't want to be funny? Go play all these smart, smart guys. Uh, g- give me big words to say. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure why I, that I is. I guess you read as smart. Who would have thunk it? I know. Because I'm, I'm really not that's that smart. Not, that's I'm not. You are. I left school when I, when I was 17 and I am, you know, struggling to get you're by. You're street smart. I'm street smart. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Could you handle yourself in a fight? 
no. I can run pretty fast, though. There, that's an important element in fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you're, you know, faster than the other person. <laughs> Are you, uh, did, did playing Salinger spark any interest in writing? Uh, I would write and prep for that. Write really? short stories, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, How are they? They're absolute gold. <laughs> no, absolute rubbish. No, they're not good. But, but it was interesting trying to get into that, um, that different level of perception that writers have when, you know, just being out and about and watching people and, and seeing how you describe things and it opens up a different vocabulary and sense of brain. It was interesting. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, Quite therapeutic. I would think. Well, that's that's a big part of the film too. Is sort mm-hmm. of like how the process uh, was, uh, you know, as it is for many writers and actors, is cath- is catharsis for yeah, someone yeah, like Salinger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is acting cathartic for you? You think? Does it get a lot of the shit out of your body? You think? Dude, I do find it very cathartic. Actually, yeah. I enjoy it a lot in that sense. Yeah, um, yeah, I find it's a great way to. I wouldn't say that I'm one of those actors that's like, ah, oh, I'm going to use this moment of my past in this scene and that's right. what's going to trigger the emotion. I'm not, I'm not doing that, but it's very cathartic when, you know, when you go home at the end of the day and you're wiped out from doing whatever scene it might be, you know, you do feel kind of a sense of something calm. Out. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe you're just very tired and you're just like, <laughs> i got to sleep. But it is, it is a nice, there is kind of, you know, I find that interesting, when, particularly when they use like, drama for therapy and stuff in, mm-hmm. in life as well. Yeah. With podcasting, does it, do you feel like you've, you've, you've poured something out of your soul out? Today, do you feel more at peace Dude, with yourself? I love podcasts. I've been listening to so many podcasts. So what's, what's, what's the way? What, you turned me on to my dad. Wrote a porno. Anything else? I never a porno. I watch. Uh, I listen to a lot of. Um, you're watching it. You're doing uh, it Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. Malcolm I, I Gladwell podcast. Yeah. Revisionist history. Did go back and listen to all of those. They're incredible. Really. Um, and also, um, hardcore history by Dan Carlin. Okay. I just listened to what five five or six podcasts, all about four or five hours long, about World War One. Nice. So I'm pretty down on World War One. I. I was learning it for for the Tolkien thing because I was like, I've got to know what was going on. And I never really, le- I mean, I should have learned it from school, but I didn't. Probably. Right. So I Again, went back into this, and he's he's good for it. Kids out there, you don't need to go to school. Just listen to podcasts and podcast watch, and how watch, much you've and, learned from this and watch biopics. Although I don't know how much we've learned from this one. We learned that you uh, eat Milano cookies in a silent, respectful way. <laughs> Um, no, that could be played differently depending on how it comes through the headphones. <laughs> that you want uh, balls all, all over your body. Yeah, we're learning. <laughs> and um, I don't know if those are things that people can take forward in life. You never know. Say buddy. something inspiring, dude. Me? Yeah. I'm like, I've run out like years back. Uh-huh. Uh, and when you turn people on to other podcasts, great. Oh, yeah, sorry. The, 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 this the is least like you can a, do is like other a, podcasts plug mine. This is like we're a, we're this bringing is other like people. A, this is like a light alternative when you've had five hours of listening to to learning about the universe to or whatever world war one and you're like this right. is this is dark and then you go all right tell us one josh one fun fact about world war one as we sign off here that people don't know uh i don't know the guy who assassinated uh ferdinand, Franz ferdinand yeah. was called gabriel princip princip however you pronounce his name oh, gabriel i didn't princip. know that you're yeah, the expert. he was the guy who assassinated him and strangely i think it was one of those moments where whereby they, they had a failed attempt assassination on him and his car, like, the driver didn't or didn't know the, the right escape route or whatever. Right. And so it just so happened that he turned down a street where Gabriel Princip was. And he, like, I don't know if I'm pre- completely pronouncing his name right, but I think it's pretty close. This has Google been it. 75% accurate facts <laughs> with Nicholas <laughs> No, but he pulled up just alongside him by accident and the guy was like, oh, damn, this is my chance to kill him. And boom. Really? Yeah. So it wasn't the first attempt. It was like as they were trying to escape, the driver took the wrong route or whatever, and boom. Fate. 
you take nothing else from this, how crazy that? And then think of all the things that spiraled from that moment. World War One, communism in Russia, everything. And uh, take that away and take away the fact that... Are we finished? I don't feel like I've talked enough. (laughs) (laughs) Also, guys, universe is super fucking big. I'm feeling pretty fired up. I think it's because I'm having a sugar low or a sugar high. I'm spiking. (laughs) Something's up. Oreos next or Colt Goldfish? Dude. Do I have to say anything about any of these movies more? I don't think so. Rebel on the Rye, go check it out. Go see it, guys. Thanks. It's it's legit, really good. It's a great performance. Uh, you guys all uh, kill it. Uh, nice ensemble. Mr. Kevin Spacey, of course. Spacey, oh, it's amazing. Paulson. Zoe Deutsch. I always love Deutsch. Zoe. Yeah. Um, no, man, honestly, it's a good piece of work. All right. Nice one. Uh, on to the next stupid podcast. Uh, good to see you, buddy. As Dude, I'll be back before, before you actually want me back. <laughs> <laughs> Could you leave the office, please? <laughs> And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 